Last week we started with a, with a little series that will take us about four weeks, who knows, perhaps more. But the question for this series is simply the question, what will you be doing in 2018? We did say last week, it's not completely in your control. We saw this week, things happen where God shakes you in a direction that you never thought you'd go. But yet, He does give us the ability to do something with the time and the hours and the abilities that He's given us. And when I started this, this, the, the service this morning, I, I prayed from Psalm 91 and it says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It matters what you will be doing in 2018. What you do will define how you will experience God this year. Everybody wants to abide in the shadow of the Almighty, covered by His wings, covered by His protection. But it isn't for everyone. It's for those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. If you choose not to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, not to exist in His presence, you will not abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I think if we look at this here, and the metaphorical sun in 2018 is shining harsh already. And we need to be there where God will protect us. God is always there. God is everywhere. But He will only be real to you if you abide in Him, if you live in Him, if you stay in Him. Last week we started and we said you ne we need to be existing in the Word. Existing, uh, the Greek word that means to abide, to continually exist, to make your home there. Your home needs to be in the Word. This defines who you are, defines what you believe, defines how you think. And from there, you live into the world. And, and I hope that you are on that journey with us, to daily spend time with the Lord. Um, and maybe you, you, you were very fired up last Sunday and, and you started this week, and it was a bit of a struggle to get up early to read your Word. I just want to pray and encourage you, just persist in it. Good habits sometimes take a, a while to form. Just persist in it. God will meet you. God will come through for you. So to, to today's one flows from it in a natural way. If we are existing in the Word, then we need to be persisting in prayer. Persisting in prayer. I think everyone knows what persisting means. Carry on. Carry on. Even when it's hard, carry on. Carry on. Now there are two ways you can start a sermon on prayer. The first way is this. You know what? Um, there's this guy that he prays four hours a day. I know this guy. He wakes up at three in the morning and then he prays for four hours every day and then he's ready for his day. What about you? Please put up your hand if you pray for less than half an hour a day so we can just see who the people are who don't pray enough. There's some honesty. I'm glad. That's the thing. We can start a sermon on prayer and many people do it by making you feel guilty. And you know what? It's extremely easy to make someone feel guilty about their prayer life. Or we can start it like this. Hands up, who here are keen to improve their prayer life? And now my hand is up. You know what? We need to be taught how to pray. We need sermons on prayer. Even Jesus' apostles struggled with prayer. Jesus modeled preaching to them, and he sent them out and they preached. Jesus modeled caring for people. And he sent them out and they did it. Jesus modeled evangelism to them and they went out and they did it. And Jesus modeled prayer to them and yet they felt they need to, felt they need to come to him and say, please teach us to pray. We've seen you pray. 
We're trying to model you, but we are struggling. You need to help us. We need help in our prayer life. So why is it that we so often struggle with prayer? I think there are a lot of Christian leaders that have made quotes that say, this is one of the things that's, if not the thing, that Christians struggle most with, is prayer. And I think one of the main reasons why we struggle with prayer is that we misunderstand what prayer is. A lot of people, if you ask them, what is prayer? Define prayer to me. They will say, prayer is speaking to God. And that's not wrong. Of course prayer is speaking to God. But that's not complete. That's not the complete picture of prayer. It's a very important part of prayer, obviously. But if your prayer life will only exist in speaking to God, you're going to have a struggling prayer life. Many people see prayer like this. I walk into God's presence, then I say everything I need to say to Him, and I say Amen, and I walk away again, and I carry on with my day. Imagine if you treated your wife like this. You set aside five minutes twice a day that you come to your wife and you say, I just want to thank you. You're a great wife. Um, you're doing well. Um, thank you for everything you do. Sorry that I was so harsh to you last night. Um, please have my meal ready at 7 o'clock. Amen. I mean, thank you. And you walk away from her before she can even say something. And then you leave her alone for 6 or 12 hours and, and then you come and do that again. Do you think you'll have a quality relationship with your wife? You'll have a strange relationship. And there are even worse things that we, we think about prayer is that for a lot of people, prayer is just saying rhymes. Before I eat, I say this rhyme. And before I go to bed, I say this rhyme. And sometimes I get confused and I say the wrong prayer at the wrong time and I don't even realize because it's just going into autopilot and I'm saying little rhymes. Try that with your wife. Speaking to her only in rhymes. Um, you will not have a quality relationship with your wife. So yes, prayer is speaking to God. But it's far more than that. Prayer is continually existing in God's presence and speaking as well. One of the main reasons why we struggle with prayer is that we don't give prayer the time and the energy and the focus that it requires. Gerard Atoy, and I'm going to tell you a bit about him a bit later again. If you've ever heard his testimony, what a, he's a man of God and a man of prayer. And he, he, he recalls how he learned to pray. On the farm they lived, they had a little copy there, a little mountain, a little hill, and there were a couple of, of, of the black pastors from the area that would pray on that hill the whole night through. Sometimes for two hours, sometimes for eight hours. And one time they invited him, you must come with. And he was extremely worried about, listen, uh, and, 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 he, and he pulled the one guy close and he says, how do you pray a whole night long? And the guy turned to him and says, you have a big problem. And, and he says, what's my problem? He says, you are in a hurry. And God is not. And that's often the problem. We are in a hurry when we pray. God is not. You're going to miss His voice. You're going to miss meeting with Him if you're in a hurry. Yes, there will be times when prayer will be a quick shout out. There will be times when you, when you just say, Thank you, Lord, for what you've done, and you carry on. Sometimes you'll just say, Help God, help now. We have the story in the New Testament of the tax collector who comes in the temple and all he says is, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And God says, you know what, I listen to that prayer. There will be times when prayers will be short, 
prayers will be an, an exclamation, and that's fine. But if your prayer life only exists of those type of prayers, you're going to have a very bad prayer life, and you're going to struggle with your prayer life. So what we want to do today is we want to learn from Daniel about how do we persist in prayer. So you can open your Bibles to Daniel 9. Daniel 9. Daniel is in the Old Testament after you get Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then we, you somewhere there hit Daniel. Okay. Before we read together, let's pray. Father, I know for so many of us, this is our heart cry. We want to be able to, to pray better. And Lord, when we define better, we don't define that we sound better. But we want to connect with you on a more intimate level. Lord, like Paul, we want to cry out. We have all these other things, but our only desire is to know you more and experience the power of your resurrection. Lord, so we come to you today with this desire in our hearts. We want to be people of prayer. We want to exist in your presence. We want to exist in your word. We want to be able to persist in prayer. And Lord, only through your Spirit and through your Word can you help us and grow us and bring us to that place where prayer is our heartbeat. So Lord, change us today. Send us in the right direction. Equip us for the road ahead. And help us to be people of prayer. We praise you that we can bring these requests to you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to jump around a bit in Daniel 9. And Daniel 9 is one of those passages. When you start preparing it in your week, you say, why can't we just be there for four hours on a Sunday so we can look at everything? But we can't. I have a plane to catch. So we are going to jump around a bit in Daniel 9. But I encourage you, go read through Daniel 9 at home. Go pray through Daniel 9 at home. This will help your prayer life. But we're going to read Daniel 9 there, and we starting there in verse 1. And it says, In the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king of the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So what's the context here? You might know that Daniel was part of the group that were taken out of Israel and they were exiled, they were moved into Babylonia. The king of Babylonia came, he overtook Israel. It didn't catch God by surprise. God told him, I am doing this to you because you are so persistent in your evil. I'm going to throw you out of your country. And he did it eventually. He took them and he threw them into Babylonia. But at this point in Daniel 9, many years have passed. And Daniel have worked himself up in the government of the, the time. He was actually one of the top administrators of the country. So he was in charge of big parts of the countries directly under the king. This was where he was working. And you know what? It struck me when I read this that Daniel was busy studying his word. Here's a guy who worked for the king of that time, the king that owned the largest part of the world at that time, who conquered more than anyone else, who reigned over all of this, and he appointed people like Daniel to, to administrate the country. He was an extremely busy man, and yet he existed in the Word. What's my excuse for saying, no, I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. So this is something that really struck me. Yeah, time. So then he starts, and he starts reading in the Word, and he reads the, the, the book of Jeremiah, and he finds out that God has promised, I'm going to throw you out of the country, 
but it will only be for 70 years. I promise you that after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. And what we find here in Daniel is the, one of the, the best breeding ground for a good prayer life. What is he doing? He's existing in the Word and he's looking at the world from that position. What do I mean? The Word is his first reality and the world is his second reality. What do I mean by that? It means is that he first hears what God says and then he looks at his circumstances. He could have looked at his circumstances and said, there's no sign whatsoever that we are going back to Israel. Israel, the temple is broken down. There's nothing there for us. We are stuck in this country. The king doesn't want to let us go. No one wants to let us go. There is just no chance. That is how you speak if the world is your first reality. You speak based on what you see in the world. We can look at this country, South Africa, and say, that's it. That's the end. These little things that they are now doing, the shuffles in government, it's just useless. There's just no hope. This country is down the drain and just the faster it seems every day. Or you can look in God's word first and say, let's interpret this world through God's word. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says, I am going over the world to find people to worship me. God is saying, I am doing a work in this world until the day that I come again. So where's your first focus? The best breeding ground for prayer is to exist in the world and understand what God's picture and definition. And then you look at the world and you see it's different. And that drives you to prayer. It drives you to prayer to bring these two together. God, your word says this, but we see this in the world. So we're praying for the world. We're praying for South Africa because God, you said you're a God of justice. And the world doesn't have justice. South Africa doesn't have justice. So we're going to pray for justice. If you live in the world first and you open your newspaper and you read about all these things, you're going to be driven to despair. If you live in the world and read the newspaper, you're going to be driven to prayer. Driven to despair or driven to prayer. Depends where you start, where your first focus is. So if you want to have a, a heart and a passion for prayer, start in the word. Look at the word and take it from there. So now we see Daniel and he reads God's promises. God promised 70 years from now, you're taking us back. And what does he do? Does he name it and claim it? God, you better do this now because you said this to us. Oh, I feel I get such a cringe in my spine when people stand up and demand God to fulfill his promises to us. Man, Daniel knows his position before the God. He has no such arrogance to demand of God. He falls in humility before God and he prays about the promises of God. Let's read on in verse 3. Then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Daniel enters the presence of the mighty king in humility and he worships the king and he confesses his sins and he confesses the sins of his people. He doesn't come and say, God, why does bad things happen to good people? 
Just look at me here, working so hard for you. Why does bad things happen to good people? No, he realizes there's no good person before God. I love someone, quote says, If you ask why does bad things happen to good people, no, it only happened once in the history of the world, and that's when bad things happened to Jesus. He was the only good person ever to live. Daniel doesn't come demanding, claiming, standing up for his own righteousness. He comes and he falls before God and says, Mercy, God, mercy, help us. He comes and he pleads for God to intervene. We're going to skip some verses where he goes into detail about the sin and, and the mercy that he's asking for. And we're jumping to verse 16 where he says, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our Father, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon our sanctuary, which is desolate. O God, O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. This is what it means to pray before God. God, look at our situation that we deserve and please act in your mercy. Please bring your goodness even when we don't deserve your goodness. Daniel is asking for the restoration of Jerusalem and the temple. And he, says that he uses these words, make your face shine upon your sanctuary. Isn't that a lovely picture? What does it mean? He says, let people see you in the situation. At the moment when the people look at Jerusalem and your temple, they wonder what's going on. Bring it to a place again that when people look, they see and experience you. This is a great prayer for South Africa. Because Daniel is never praying selfishly. He's saying, God, for your sake, do it. Not for my sake, not for my righteousness. Um, another great lesson in prayer is, if you are going to have a prayer life with you at the center, you're going to have a very frustrating prayer life. What do I mean with a prayer life with you at the center? Your prayer life is like this. Okay, God, I've planned to do this and this and this this year, and then this and this is going to happen, and please help me so that I can do this and this and this and this, and you now need to do this and this and this so that my plans can be fulfilled. Amen. And then it doesn't happen, and you are so frustrated. Because I put all of this before God. Why didn't he listen to me? Because you put your plans in front of God. You told him what to do. You wanted to be God. No. What Daniel does is he, he learns who God is. He learns what God desires. And he prays for that. When you start praying with him at the center, man, your prayer life takes on fantastic new dimensions. Don't pray for South Africa because you like living in a safe place. Don't pray for South Africa because you don't like suffering. Don't pray for South Africa because your traditions and your languages are being attacked and that's just too terrible. Pray for South Africa because God is looking for worshippers. Pray for South Africa because God loves justice. God does not love evil. God does not love it when the innocent suffer. God does not love it when those in power trample those who are weak. Pray for the things that God loves and the things that God is about. 
And you know what? We will obviously benefit from that as well. But who are we to demand a good world for us? Pray for God's will, God's desires. We say, yeah, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Prayer is not a right. Answer to prayer is not a given. Well, I've asked now, so now you better do it. Prayer is a gift. Answered prayer is a merciful act. We don't deserve it. In Daniel 9 verse 19 we then read, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your sins are called by your name. Are called by your name. Prayer is calling God's acts of mercy into a situation. God for the big things. We keep our, our, our prayer life very mellow and we have very general prayers. Daniel is not scared. Once again, he doesn't tell God how he should do it. He's just asking him to do it. God, this is what we are facing. Please act in your way, in your wisdom, in your time, pleading to God. Now, for many people, prayer ends here. I've read in the Word, I've looked at the world, and it's terrible, and it's, and it's, it's got a burden in my heart. And now I've, I'm coming before God in prayer, and I'm saying, God, you are good, you are just, we don't deserve anything, but we're asking for mercy. Please, God, act. Please do something. Amen. And we walk away. For many people, prayer ends there. And that's very sad. Because let's see what Daniel does Daniel stays in God's presence. As we said earlier, that's how relationship works. A while back, a lot of people wear, wore a little armband that says PUSH, P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. And I think Daniel was wearing one of those bands when he was praying, yeah. Because Daniel prayed until something happens. And we read that something in verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sins... And the sins of my people Israel. And presenting my plea before the Lord. Lord my God. For the holy hill of my God. While I was speaking in prayer. The man Gabriel. Whom I had seen in the vision at the first. Came to me in swift flight. At the time of the evening service. While I was praying. God acted. I didn't just speak. And say amen and left it there. I came expectantly to prayer. God, I'm not just coming to get things off my heart so I can feel better about it. I'm coming and persisting in prayer because I want you to act. And did God act? God did act. God starts acting. We read in verse 22. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I've come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. God acted. How did he act? Did he click his fingers and Jerusalem was fine? No. That was the request. But God acted in his way in his time. And how did he act for Daniel in many ways? The first thing is that he sent an angel to Daniel. Daniel needed comfort. Daniel was in turmoil. And he sent an angel to meet with him and saying, comfort to you. God has never sent a shining being to me in prayer. 
But God has sent people to me that were messengers of His. And the Bible says sometimes you think it's a person and it's God's angel, God's messenger who comes. Doesn't it happen often to you? You are in turmoil about a thing and you pray and you pray and God sends that person who does the right thing or says the right thing or help you like you needed to be helped. So that's the first thing. He sends an angel. And the next thing he does is he makes him understand. Often when we exist in the Word and we look at the world, we pray, 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 and we're expecting God to come and fix the situation now. And God comes and He does something different. He comes and He allows you to see the situation through His eyes. And suddenly you understand it better. Suddenly you realize, but maybe the thing I'm praying for is not the thing that God wants to do now. He has a better plan, a bigger plan. And He gives Daniel the gift of understanding the situation better here. Isn't it wonderful that God often acts like this first? We pray and He meets us inside. He meets us in our mind, in our thinking, in our worries, in our emotions. The danger is to think that He only meets us there. A lot of people believe you pray because you feel better about a situation. God's not going to do anything. But pray, man, you are going to feel better on the inside. And they do research in the scientific community about how much are people's anxiety levels lowered after they prayed and that type of thing. No. It starts there, but God acts in the world as well. All the things that Daniel prayed for, God eventually came and did in a miraculous way. But how wonderful that it starts there. First in us. And it leads us to, to, to distrust Him more. And what's the next thing he, he does for him? He reminds him, you are greatly loved. Isn't that just so comforting to know in this country where sometimes feel like, God, where are you? I haven't given up on you. I haven't forgotten about you. You, my child, are greatly loved and I am busy with the work. Come, come and understand. Last week we, we showed a video clip of John Piper where he speaks about reading the word supernaturally. Where it starts with a human activity. We're reading the word and, and suddenly God shows up and it changes. And it becomes more than just words on a page. It becomes meeting with a person. And that's what it is to persist in prayer. You start by saying, these are the things on my heart. And you speak at the speed of white light. Because you just have to get this off your heart. And you're speaking to God. And you're speaking to God. And as you are praying, God shows up. Because you are persisting in prayer. You're not just there to speak and leave. Like I said, the same is true for prayer. Daniel in his anguish persisted in prayer and God showed up. Now the big question for all of us. How often do I wait in prayer? Can you see why the devil loves making our lives so busy? Let's be honest. We often have no problem with him making our lives busy. It feels good to be busy. One thing I realized in my sabbatical is that, that I like finding open spots in my time schedule and then squeezing something in there. It's like, oh, there's, I've got half an hour here. What can I do in this half an hour? And our whole life just become hurrying from the one thing to the other. Do this, run out, do that, next thing, next thing. And like I said, sadly, we start doing that with our prayer life. Hurry in, two minutes, then I must go. Quickly pray to God, say amen, and there we go. And I must say, we start living our prayer life like that. On Wednesday mornings in our Bible study, and I would love to invite you to, if you're not part of the Bible study, you are missing out on blessings. 
People who don't come to Bible studies are more grumpier than people who do. I've just seen that as a general rule. Wednesday mornings, we spent a lot of time in prayer. And what we do is anyone can pray, and then I close in prayer. And so what will happen is some people would pray, and then there will be a moment of silence. And then I feel these emotions. Okay, Coral J, everyone's done now. You can say, Amen, we need to start studying the Bible. And you can almost feel like people are saying, no, 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 okay, everyone has said they're saying, let's just carry on now. That's not prayer. We are so scared of silences in prayer. Let's make silence that God can fill with His presence. So, let's, Samuel Chadwick said this. He said, hurry is the death of prayer. Hurry is the death of prayer. So instead of filling our life with busyness, hurrying in and out, let's identify those open spaces in our calendar and present them to the Lord. And if you don't have open spaces, make open spaces. You can survive without the TV. You can survive without your hobbies. But you cannot survive without prayer. Let's learn to persist. And in future Bible studies, I'm going to ignore those brainwaves that's telling me to say amen now. We are going to persist in prayer. We're going to wait while we pray for God to act. So in conclusion, what will you be doing in 2018? Let's start by existing in the Word. For Daniel, that was the start of his prayer life, being in God's Word. And let's look what's going on in the world, and let's, let that drive you not to despair, but to prayer. God, I want to pray your truth into this situation. And make time. Pour out your heart, your anguish, your burdens before God, even if you have to sit in silence for great parts of it. And do what you need to do to keep your mind focused. Whether you have to stand up, whether you have to speak out loud, whether you have to write down your prayer, find something that works for you that you can stay in this moment of prayer. But pray. There are many things that we as a church want to help you with. Like I already mentioned Bible studies. The pleasure of praying with people who love the Lord on a weekly basis is mind-blowing. Another thing we want to do is we in the mornings... The music team pray here at the back before the service starts. But why should we have all the fun? So we are opening that up to anyone. Are we going to start it earlier? We want to start at 9.30 on a Sunday morning. And if you, the music team might not even be there at 9.30. They might still be busy. But we are asking you, come and join us there. And the Sunday morning prayer is a prayer for the service and for that service to have, be powerful into the week. Pray for the people attending. Pray for the word that will be preached. Pray for God to be glorified. So every Sunday morning before, before church 9.30, we're going to meet through this door in the, the, the staff room there. The other thing that we want to do, and I'm very excited about this, our church camp this year is going to take on a bit of a different form. What we normally do is we head off to Botterkloof for the weekend and we stay there and we get a speaker and we eat a lot and we come home. This year is going to have a different form. What's happening is that Gerardetoy, who, like I said, is a... Man, if you want to learn about prayer, you spend time in his presence. He's coming from Canada, and he's asked to speak at our church. He's been in town before, and he spoke at the, at the Enge church about six years ago, I think. But he's asked this time to, to do it from our church, but for the whole town. We need to invite everyone, and, and, and he's going to be here from the 15th of April to the 21st of April. So this Sunday morning, he will lead our service. And then from the Monday on, every evening there will be a meeting. 
And in the day, he wants to pray with people as well. So I think he's going to line up whoever wants to pray, groups and individuals and stuff. He just wants to pray a whole week long. So put that date in. It will be on the bulletin that you receive next week. But from the 15th to the 21st, and prepare your heart now already and don't miss out. So he has asked something. So how it will most probably work is that he's asked whether we can have it at the NG church. So we're going to have it at the NG church, but it will be in English. So we already have to pray for the hearts of some people who's going to have to listen to English in their church. So, but he is, we are pr- we're bringing it in English so that everyone can understand. And there are many challenges. So, but God works. Who are we to stand in his way? Who are people to stand in his way? So pray for that week. Pray for Gerard as he prepares for that. Um, Gerard, I think, has spoken in 30 countries in the world already on prayer. And man, things happen when God speaks through Gerard. So that is something I'm, ver- something I'm very excited about. And keep that, that different form of camp in your mind. So, but let us persist in prayer. Like I said, don't remove those times when you can have a quick prayer. There are definite times when a quick prayer is needed and you say your amen and you have to carry on with the one thing that you're doing. But don't let that define your prayer life. Find those times where you can sit in God's presence and just exist with Him. Just abide with Him. Just speak to Him. Pray until something happens. might not be what you expect to happen, but it will be what you need. Let's pray together. I'm going to open up again for anybody who would like to pray. We are all students in this school of prayer. But we want to pour out our hearts before God that we can become a church of prayer, a people of prayer. And anything else, we need to pray for the country. We need to pray for drought. There are so many things that we need to present before God. So let anyone who wants to, let's pray together. Yes, Father, how glorious it is to have the privilege of spending time in your presence. That you are the mighty king. That you're a father who leaves your door open so that we can come in at any time. Lord, teach us to be persisting in prayer. Lord, help us to deal harshly with our priorities. And to let go of those things that we cling on to but that are so, so unimportant. Lord, help us to exist in your presence. Lord, Help us to be people of prayer. Lord, I want to pray that you will give us burdens for things in this world. Burdens that we tackle in prayer. Burdens that we bring your word to, Lord, and plead your mercy and your grace into. Lord, that you will give us a burden of family members who don't know you. Lord, a burden for South Africa. Lord, a burden for schools. Lord, a burden for whatever you place on our heart. That we will persist in prayer and to know it's not just us putting words before you but that you act when your people praise. Oh Lord, we do not deserve any of this. It's like Daniel, we want to come and plead for your mercy, for your grace. And not so that we can have the comforts that we desire, but that the, your name will be glorified. That your face will shine upon this country, that the people will see there's something different about those who truly believe you. That the face, your face will shine about our family members who are far away from you. That they get saved in a way that their friend says there is something fantastically different about you. Lord, our desire is that you are glorified in everything on this earth, Lord. Oh Lord, come and meet us, Lord. Act in this week, Lord. And I know there are many unspoken prayers in people's hearts here about things they are facing this week. 
Lord, you are the God of the mountain. We praise you and we thank you and we plead before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.